everybody, welcome back to the CNC Replay. I'm Noelle. I'm Corey. And I'm we have a special There we go. Guest. There she is. <laughs> uh, we made it. Um, apologies if I sound a little sick. It's because I am. So if I sound nasally, well, oops. It's because um, you're from the Midwest. That too. That is so true. Um... But again, Chris is not here this week, so we have our other, our uh, relief designated podcast person, uh, Delaney Hitton for him, and we're just going to probably just jump right in. Um, we have some, well, Corey has some Lions news, so I guess we'll just jump right into that. Well, so- somewhat news. It's more, it's more speculation and in- I also have to apologize for my source for the Marquise Lee thing that we talked about a couple of That doesn't look like it's going to happen, so I, it's not a viable source. Uh, but also, uh, again, to Delaney, our our fourth woman of the year coming off the coming off the bench and, and being on the podcast twice now. So, like, gold star for Delaney because she keeps, she keeps the program going when Chris I'm is not honored. here. Yeah. Um, but Lions talk. Um, so there was a, there was an article that, uh, me, Chris and Noel kind of talked about last week, but we had a lot to talk about. Um, obviously and very important things to talk about last week, but it was, I, I, the, it was the defensive lineman that the Lions brought in from the Rams. I can't remember his name, but it was a, it was a free press article talking about, um, like kind of the state of the team. And how, like, everybody else, like, team morale, basically. And this guy, I think Michael Brockers is his name. Defensive lineman from St. Louis. So, um, but yeah, they brought him in, and he was being interviewed by the Free Press. And they asked him about the state of the team. And he's like, yeah, a lot of the guys were pretty burnt out by Patricia's coaching style. And are really gravitating towards uh, the rest of the staff that's here now. Um and that just kind of confirms everything that we have been saying about the Patricia regime in Detroit that everybody hated playing for this man and it showed on the field. I mean, we had a we had a pretty talented roster last year and what? We were, we had six wins. I think six we finished with six wins yeah, something like that. I feel like it was six. You it had Stafford. You had Stafford, you had Galladay, you had Marvin Jones. Um, you had a pretty solid rookie running back who's still on your team. Um, your defense was horrible, but for a defensive-minded coach, it shouldn't be horrible or the last-place defense in the league. Um, they won five. They won five, so excuse me for being too optimistic about the Lions. Um, but uh, also a piece in that article was saying like a – a healthy locker room and a, a solidified um, team morale can really help push teams over the edge. So, of, of course, we're in that stage where everyone's trying to get excited about the Lions and, and all the players are like, hey, don't sleep on us. We're going to be better than most people think. Um, the Lions are going to be bad. I think we just need to realize this now. But my hope now is, after reading this article, hearing – from these former players that we're not going to be as bad as I think we think or anybody else thinks. So like I was pretty 
Like, I think the ceiling for this team was four wins. Maybe they get to six. I don't know. Maybe we'll but then add they, that one more. Just the maybe one. we'll add that one more. I don't know. Because it's all about roster. Because the roster is worse, and it's a brand-new coaching staff with a new quarterback learning a new system. But they have a very good offensive line. They could have a very good rushing game. And hopefully you have some of your young defensive players on the other side of the ball looking at Okuda because he was awful last year. Um, take the next step, and they might take the next step if they have a coaching staff that's supportive and pushing them to become greater. Um, so, again, we still don't know if Campbell's a good coach, but his players seem to like him, and that's half of the battle. So, little optimistic Lions news there. Um, also, more speculation. Golden Tate, who is a fan favorite in Detroit um, not too long ago, um, is a free agent this year, and the other day posted a bunch of his old highlights in a Lions uniform, um, which it almost seems too perfect to be true because, again, we cannot name a single player in the Lions receiving core right now um, except the guy that they drafted, and I think Quintez Cephas, who is the slowest wide receiver in the league, I think, um, and Jamison Crowder. I think is the other guy. That's like our number one. So we need help. And I don't care if Golden Tate is like 35. Golden Tate would instantly make that wide receiving room better. Um, and also maybe bring a little bit of excitement. People can don't have to buy a New Jersey because they probably have a ton of Golden Tate stuff left over from when he was last year. Um, so I think, I mean, he's not going to get a big contract if he signs or when he signs someplace. Why not come back to Detroit? Spent his whole career playing on bad teams. He's got a Super Bowl ring with uh, Seattle, so um, shout out Delaney again. Um, but yeah, just come back, make some money, have some fans love you again, and ride off into the sunset. Makes a lot of sense to me. I don't know about you guys, but do you remember watching Golden Tate play? There was there was one highlight that um, it was like a twenty yard touchdown reception against the Vikings. And he was practically wide open the entire way until the goal line. And he tried to, like, hurdle Xavier Rhodes, I think it was, who's a cornerback for the Vikings. And he got hit in midair. But when he got hit, his back, like, flew over the corner. And he, like, landed on his feet in the end zone. So he basically almost killed himself. But that one. But yeah. it, looked, it looked really cool. So maybe we'll see it again. Never know. That exact exact death-defying situation where he definitely could have died oh yeah Yeah. okay cool 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 there was another uh i i distinctly remember this is not lines related but just a football play uh it was on like christmas eve or something that Bengals receiver what was his name simpson um he literally did a full front flip over a standing cornerback and landed on his feet. It, it might be the most outrageous football highlight I have ever seen. He cleared giving, this man. Just giving me um, the game plan with Dwayne Johnson vibes. I don't know if y'all remember that. I do remember. Gem of a movie. But he does a, a, a ballet uh, pirouette. No, I don't know. I can't remember. But he that's that was one of his moves. Is He jump, literally jumps over a guy in, into the end zone. So. Which but he learned that from was, his daughter. 
anyways. That was a movie. This happened in no, real I, life. I know. That's why I said vibes. I know it's not reality. I know. Me. I know. I'm giving you a hard time. But this is our homework for the week. After after the podcast is over, we have to go and watch the highlight. Because it'll football. be... Watch watch football. Among Number one. Watch, watch football. It's like a 30-second highlight. You'll be fine. I know. Um, I will. But yeah, that's the Lions. There's not much there because it's the offseason. And thankfully, there's no scandals in in the Lions corner right now, which is good. Um, unlike some of the other teams in the NFL, which is bad. So yep. good, on, good on the Lions for not being in the news. Uh, number two, um, very important thing coming up later this week for Pistons fans. Um, just, this little, just this little thing. I don't know if you've heard about it. The NBA yeah. draft, uh, number one overall pick, uh, generational talent, Cade Cunningham on the board, head and shoulders above everybody else. I don't. And guess seems... what? And guess what? Guess what? No consensus in the Pistons' war room right now, which makes me want to die. Nobody a knows bit. what the Pistons are going to do. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I kind of want to cry a little bit. Not really, but, like, I like. this is almost something I'd expect the Lions to do. Because, like, everyone and their mom, if they got the number one overall pick, it's like, oh, we're taking Cunningham. No questions about it. Now, as as the pessimist Detroit fan that – or Detroit fans that we all are, we were expecting not to win the lottery, and then we had to kind of, you know, set our um, expectations accordingly. So when – when I was looking at the draft and where the Pistons were at, I was hoping if they didn't get the number one overall pick that they'd slide somewhere in at three or four um, and hoping that Evan Mobley, the center from USC, would be available uh, for the Pistons at that spot. Um, Mob- I saw Mobley play in the tournament. I didn't get to see a lot of him before uh, just because he plays at USC and I live in the Midwest and those games start at like 10 o'clock and... I don't want to spend all night watching USC basketball when I don't have to. Um, But I saw him in the tournament. The dude is a freak of nature. I I mean, he was was a man amongst boys, and he was a freshman this year, and he looked looked and felt like an NBA-caliber player as as an 18-year-old. So, and they could slot him very easily at the five. Now, for the Pistons, they don't really have a surefire guy that you could put at the five they have uh mason plumley who's basically a stopgap, but also is a pretty effective center and has been uh this past year for the pistons um and then isaiah stewart has been slotted in at center which honestly i think the pistons should roll with um because again i think they should take Cade cunningham with the number one overall pick and then you can build around that um but if you're looking at it from an athletic big man pistons don't necessarily have that so the the speculation from Woj, the ESPN's main uh, basketball guy, which he's hilarious, by the way. He got suspended from ESPN for like clapping back at a fan. He used some language and he like he had to apologize. He he a fan like basically told him like, "Hey, you're wrong and dumb." And then Woj like swore at him and said like, "No, you're you you are wrong and dumb, and here's why." And then ESPN was like, "Hey, that wasn't very professional." So he got suspended for like two weeks or something like that. It was really funny. Um, 
but where was I go- where was I going with that? Um, no, yeah. So the report from Woj says that the Pistons are still looking at Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, and Mobley. Suggs doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, just uh, he's a a traditional point guard, and it seems like the Pistons kind of have a little bit of that figured out with Killian Hayes. Not the offensive side, um, but you have a floor manager, essentially. And if you're between Suggs and Cunningham, I don't even think that should be a discussion, especially when you just had your first-round pick the year prior spent on a point guard. So that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, But I could understand the argument between Cunningham and Mobley solely because of the positional need. Mobley would be that surefire number five that you could throw in there, and I think he would, you know, his game translate really well um, to the NBA. However, look at all the teams in this playoffs. Okay, so Giannis, they, the Bucks win the championship, right? Giannis is a one-of-a-kind player who plays primarily at the five, but can go everywhere. Okay, look at the MVP this year, Nikola Jokic. Five, very versatile center. Did they make it to the finals? This is this was the best player in, in the league this year, right? They couldn't make it out of the second round, and they choked away a, a series lead. Um, I'm trying to think of other examples. Um, you can look at uh, the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies had Valanchunas. They just traded him away, and then they had John Morant. They had a really competitive first round matchup with um uh the jazz really really pushed them to the brink a little bit but they eventually lost uh and i I think my perfect example would be rudy gobert rudy gobert plays for the jazz three-time uh defensive player of the year um definitely like a center like center not really much like i mean he's huge so but like his athletic ability doesn't get seen as much because he's huge um, so he's a very traditional center, lots of rebounds, but he could score 12 points a game. Um, they didn't they didn't win the championship, and Gobert was arguably the second best player on that team, on the Jazz, behind Donovan Mitchell. The point I'm trying to make is um, if you're focused on getting a good player at the five, don't have it be your game-changing number one overall pick. Because you could have a very good center and still not be a championship-caliber team. You need more talent on the outside, right? Look at the Warriors. Okay, they had Steph. They had all these other guys, Clay Thompson. They didn't necessarily have a traditional big man at the five. Modern-day dynasty in the NBA, okay? You have LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Those are two of the best players in the NBA. They won a championship the year prior. But you have to have talent on the outside and then have a solid person on the, on the five. So... As far as talent goes, I don't think this should be a discussion anywhere else, but I can understand a little bit why it's not consensus. And maybe they're doing this to bait people to trade them something ridiculous, like like a team's first-round draft pick for the next 25 years or something like that. Because, I mean, we've seen that happen. Paul George got traded for, I think, eight first-round draft picks to the Clippers. That's too many. That's too many. So that's I, I too many. That's too many. And like, and how do you evaluate that? Like, what happens if like, because those picks are like, I don't know, like seven, twelve, sixteen, maybe a six or a five overall. 
some of these guys don't even play, you know? So, yeah, I, I just, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's a little unsettling that we haven't had a consensus, like plan the parade, print the Cunningham jerseys, but maybe that's strategy. I'm not an NBA person. We're not NBA people. Um, but, yeah, what do you guys think? I don't know. I talked a lot right there. I think – oh, gosh. I don't, I don't know what I think. From what I've seen, it's either take Kate at one or trade back to get Mobley or Green. Um, yeah. Those are the two that I've been seeing float around. What teams are willing to give up to get the first overall, I think, is more a deciding factor, honestly. Um, sure. If the price isn't high enough, I don't know that Weaver will do it. And I think he might just stay at one. But yeah. if, you know, like if they're really high on green for whatever reason and they can trade back to two or three, well, probably two, and they can trade back to two and get more draft capital for next year and good draft capital for next year, I can see him doing that. Yeah. But I think it would have to be the perfect trade in order for him to do so because Cade's just a talent that you can't give up willy-nilly, you know? Mm -mm. Um, yeah, so I think that's kind of where I'm falling. I'm leaning towards them taking Cade. But again, I, I hear that nothing is solid. Right, but like that's like the logical, like option. Like I think if the Pistons trade out of one, it's it's not going to be something that's like, oh, this is an awful trade. This is going to be like, oh, they have so much to work with here. But at the end of the day, is it going to be worth like just the generational talent that Cunningham is? Like you yeah. could get, you know, maybe five really good players, but still, does that compare to what Cunningham could be? Because like it, it seems like this kid's gonna be a superstar, right? And mm -hmm. frankly, like Suggs and Mobley are both terrific players and probably will be all stars in the NBA. But you know, with right. the position that Mobley plays, could he? I mean, where? Who has the higher upside? And that's what you have to do with the number one overall. And Cunningham, for sure, has the higher upside. Yep. He does. But so, I guess we'll find out Thursday. We will find out Thursday. I will pre-order my Cunningham jersey now. That Delaney, what's your size? Wise. Noel, what's your size? <laughs> I'll just I'll get I'll get a package. Package deal. Get cool. a short one. Okay. <laughs> Delaney, short. Got it. <laughs> All right. On to our beloved cats. The baseball cats. Have you guys the seen those shirts? Cat. I don't think I have. Okay, you have to look them up right now. Look up Detroit baseball cat shirts right now. Okay. I, I'm not I'm not I'm not going doing it. any further. Okay. Well you can't leave the space dead because that's not good pocket podcasting no well okay fine i won't leave the space dead i will tell the story behind this so there was like a i think a barber shop um in detroit some or somewhere near detroit that wanted to do like a tie like it was probably for like opening day or something um and they did this mural of the, of, of the tiger and that's what came out 
It's at the base. Make sure if you can't find like this weird looking caricature thing, like is Delaney, show me what it's that. It and is yeah. that. <laughs> so um, I don't know and, if anybody has ever seen a derp meme from like 2007, 2008. It's basically that it. in cat form. That's it. So yeah, but this was legitimately on someone's place of business, and they were trying to like, like say like, oh, we, this is such a good like thing, and then. People just ran with it, and now you can buy baseball tees with Detroit baseball cats on it. I want one really bad. I don't know why I haven't bought one yet, because um, it is so funny. Um, it would, like, scare but, little children. <laughs> it probably would, but I don't care. It's hilarious. I'll tell the story every time. So uh, the Detroit baseball cats uh, is what we're talking about. Um, hey, remember that seven-game win streak that we had? Yes, I do. Oh no! Okay, not <laughs> it, we're mixed bag. Yeah, because it again. I, <laughs> how how on earth can this team play so good? Albeit it was against the Twins and the Rangers, and the Rangers might be one of the worst baseball teams assembled, like in recent memory. And we're talking about Tigers teams that were assembled in this time. I think ESPN did a stat like they have not had a lead. In ten was, or eleven game, straight games, it was ninety nine innings. That's so much. That's demoralizing. That's I didn't believe painful. it, and then I looked it up. That's like, like forty one Detroit Red Wings uh, power play failures. Bad. Stop. We're past that. <laughs> we're, we're moving forward, Noel. But like, oh, so like, Delaney, this like, have you like as a as a former baseball person yourself have you been through a streak like that like how demoralizing is that just to like you've never been through one i don't i don't think 99 innings worth of or like a stretch where it's like a stretch where it's like there's doesn't matter what you do you're gonna just lose well yeah i imagine there's the feeling with the rangers i mean I've, i've experienced it before where you realize mid-game like oh I didn't necessarily expect to win this game when I showed up to the field and that is a very unfortunate place to be because it's supposed to be fun it's supposed to be something you're good at and that you enjoy and that you like that's it's what you do in your free time you know you don't have free time you spend your time doing this thing and when you're not doing that thing well at all consistently probably they're wondering why why are we why are we showing up I I agree I've definitely been through those streaks personally at the plate and then also just as the team and it's like I don't even want to be here and it's and it sucks because like we love playing baseball and whatever um but it's it, it literally is such a mental handicap <laughs> like just to know to know you're going to the park man we're gonna lose um and so I would imagine that those the Rangers players they saw that stat on ESPN and they're like man that really puts it in perspective, huh? Um, yeah. However, back to the Tigers. Um, they did beat major league teams seven times in a row after the All-Star break. So that's impressive. I don't care how you cut it. That's impressive. Because um, even the good teams lose once in a while. And we didn't lose for a, a what? A week straight? week straight worth of games. So that's cool. The, a lot of guys were playing up. Um... The pitching staff looked really good. The bullpen, which had looked abysmal at times, and 
frankly, abysmal before the All-Star break. I mean, they were the reason that, essentially, they were the reason that the Tigers got swept out of Minnesota. Um, but then to see them bounce back, and then I don't think they gave up. Uh, it, it seemed like in that Rangers series, I don't think they gave up a run until the the fourth game of the Rangers series. But like it, like that's that's what makes good teams. Like you're gonna, you are going to lose games, especially in baseball, and you're gonna lose games very badly, and that's. That is the exact definition of those games in Minnesota before the All-Star break. And then to see the bullpen, which was abysmal, come back and put the clamps down against Major League bats, that's something that we, A, hadn't seen in years past with uh, Garden Hire and especially Brad Ausmus because they just seemed like the Tigers rolled over and died once things got bad. Um, so love to see that. That's something you can build off of. Um, and then also just absolutely getting the most out of your players um jose cisnero has been one of the best arms out of the pen and he's a journeyman he was he was in uh houston i think when hinch first got to houston hinch was in houston i think for four or five years um so cisnero's been around for a long time and he's not a name anybody knows but he's been one of our best relievers kyle funkhauser was a failed starting pitching prospect and he's one of the best arms out of the bullpen and gregory soto is a left-handed pitcher who can throw 100 miles an hour. I mean, he probably scares the crap out of hitters at home plate because they're not really sure where the ball's going to go, but still, he's been very effective, and he was our all-star. Um, so, did give up a tank, though. Um, that was a moonshot to Real Mudo, but that's okay. He got out of the inning. Um, so, those things are really cool to see. Um, what's not really cool to see is then just how we're reminded again of how poor this baseball team and how and how still kind of like I don't want to say far behind but how behind we are as compared to the rest of the league um so and you know and it, it's really strange too because like a guy like Tarek Skubal on Sunday he gave up five runs with without recording an out or no he gave up four runs without recording an out in the first inning and then he retired 16 straight or something like that and then he gave up another home run so he like his stat line looks very not impressive but that doesn't tell the whole story um but we're seeing improvement but we're also still seeing that there's a lot of progress that needs to be made and that's kind of example or that's amplified when we have a streak of very high highs and then get swept by the last place team in our division <laughs> so would you rather be consistently bad or would you rather have the flip-flop roller coaster of sometimes good for a week, sometimes really bad for a week? I feel like I feel like that's where we're at. I feel like being consistently bad and then and then being like having like the Jekyll and Hyde is an improvement cuz consistently bad means oh man, this team is awful. <laughs> and that then but that's the mentality it's like oh we're going to play this game against the Red Sox we're not going to win any we're going to get swept out of there cuz we're consistently bad like it's like okay you'll win a game maybe like ooh cool we won a game but like to win i the tigers have had seven sweeps this year seven that's quite a, that that's quite a lot <laughs> and to say that you know if you said that about the tigers two years ago 
I would be like, absolutely, I'm taking that. I'm taking the seven sweeps. Give me that. I need it. Give it to me. Um, but so I guess after a weekend like we just had, we have to focus on the improvements um, and even focus on the individual aspects too because Scooball looked like he had a bad game, but in actuality, he had a really bad inning. And if you take that inning away, then that's a pretty solid uh, performance. I think he had eight strikeouts too. Um, so you can take some encouraging things out of bad weekends once you've had some continued success. Um, and I think that's what we saw for this uh, for this month of July with the All-Star break. So, um, yeah, I think that was really cool. But any, I, I know, Delaney, I want to ask you a question about, um, I think, maybe two teams that could be pretty similar. But before we get to, like, do we have, like, what – was there something that you guys watched, saw? I know Casey Mize has been like on a very strict innings limit. I don't know if you guys have been noticing that. Like he's only pitching like I think the furthest like he's been able to go is six innings, but like he's done pretty consistently four or five. When in actuality, it looks like he has a lot left in the tank. So they're trying to like conserve his arm because he's he hasn't thrown a whole lot of innings ever frankly so they don't want him to get hurt so like i understand that that's a little frustrating but um yeah i don't know if there was anything else you guys had to add i have no other observations um i think really the only other bit of news that i heard about the tigers is that um turnbull is having tommy johns Mm. Uh, i totally forgot about that there's one of our you know our stronger arms is out for the season so I heard that he might be out next year as well. Yeah, he's going to go that long. Which is really unfortunate because... Yes. Did he just turn 28? I think so. I didn't know if he was 28 yet. Hold on. Because the next time he pitches will be when he's 30. Then. Ooh, poor kid. Kid, he's older than I am. And it's not. it's not like... I mean, it's not the end of the world, but still, like that's that's a pretty significant shelf. And Turnbull doesn't yeah, necessarily that's, I mean, throw that's, it's all a that long hard. time. Yeah, it's a long time between between times. Um, he is twenty eight now. Uh, it's loading. I cannot see his birthday, so I can't tell you sure. if it was a just kind of situation. Um, <laughs> Are we gonna have to see no, Spencer Turnbull? No, he's turning. Okay. He's turning 29 in September. Oh, man. Yeah. So it'll be... So, yeah. In two months, he'll be 29. Yeah. that's That stinks. Uh, although the bright side of that is because he's getting time... Well, it's... A, it's not I mean, as it's long, long, but... but it's not... Like, if he had just turned 28 and wasn't going to play until he was 30, like, yeah. it's not as... Sorry, I cut you off. Continue. No, no, no. No, you're good. Um, The bright side of that is you might be able to keep him on a cheaper contract because he hadn't pitched. Teams aren't really going to know how to evaluate him. So it's not like he's going to recover from Tommy John and then test free agency and go someplace else. He's probably going to – what would happen was he would sign a – a one-year deal. I don't know where his arbitration or contract situation is at, but he'd sign a one-year deal and then post Tommy John, this is what he looks like. Kind of like with Michael Fulmer, but Fulmer was really bad 
out of Tommy John, and Tigers really mismanaged him. But, um, but yeah, I guess if you're going to take one bright side from that, a lot of people were considering or saying that the Tigers were going to trade Turnbull at the deadline. Obviously, that's not going to happen anymore. Um, but you might see him stick around and be that, you know, that uh, no hitter type pitcher um, for at least another season of play um, for him. So um, there's one bright side. That would be it. And then I think I think Akil Badu is finally getting some. Uh, oh, he just hit a double. So good for him. Um, he's finally getting some AL Rookie of the Year notoriety, which I don't understand why he wasn't a finalist. Um, Casey Mize was like on the MLB's like thing, like uh, Rookie of the Year, and it's like, yeah, he's having a good year, not as good as Badu. I'm sorry. Give that man his credit, please. But I digress. Delaney, I have a question for you. What is your question? So you you are our, I guess, transplant from the Metro Detroit area to <laughs> the great state of Washington, and you've adopted all of the Seattle teams, essentially. Not mm-hmm. over the Detroit teams, of course, because that would be sacrilegious. Oh, no. But, um, <laughs> I was very surprised to see the Mariners where they were at in the standings. I think they're a game and a half mm-hmm. out of the wild card. But I would argue that the Mariners and the Tigers have a pretty similar roster. What's like? Because you said you watched. We were talking before. You said you watched both, or at least follow both. Mm-hmm. What is like? What's the difference essentially? What What do you notice from their play to the Tigers' play to? I guess to dissect two teams that could be in similar situations. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess first I'm gonna start by some similarities because. Uh... I think when you put both teams on the field it's a fairly comparable game like you're gonna watch sure. a decent game I think more times than not because I don't I don't want to say they're a similar skill level but it kind of seems like I think they balance one another out where you know they're maybe not dominant in certain areas but they at least are consistent in others yeah. um I think their young guys are they remind me you know they're reminiscent at least of one another because you've got young guys who come up and kind of have flares and then they'll either slow down or whatever, but everyone's kind of cheering for them. So I guess that is maybe the difference. I think I've been seeing more of that with Detroit this season especially because, I mean, people love Akil Badu and Derek Hill. Like, they want to see them do well, whereas I don't know if this is just from my own perspective, but in the past people were sometimes skeptical of the young guys. Sure. Um, and obviously I've not been in Washington long, but with this season that I've watched the Mariners play, I haven't seen any skepticism from the younger guys that come up. I mean, even – Okay, so for example, Jared Kelenic, he came yep. up, you probably remember he came up immediately, just blasted a home run his first at bat. Everyone was like, this guy is going to be it. You know, he's going to be what we were looking for. And then he had a really, really bad dry streak. Got sent back down, came back up. And then he, like, I saw, like, a tweet the other day. So Mitch Hanniger, obviously everyone knows he's been raking and that he's very yeah. consistent. He's more of, like, a reliable veteran player. But... Uh, this tweet said, like, Mitch Hanniger hit two home runs, hit a double, was up with a full count when that uh, pass ball came and scored Jared Kelenic, and the team made it about Jared Kelenic because he got himself on base. Or, excuse me, I don't think Mitch Hanniger had a full count, but Jared Kelenic did, and he got on base, you know, via walk in that situation, got himself to third. And so even though he didn't, you know, make all these 
heroic plays or hits throughout the game, they still, you know, celebrated him because they were like, Mitch knows what he's been doing and he's been here, but like this guy has had a rough time and he, you know, like they just went wild. If you saw the video of the walk off wild pitch, which is so silly, but um, walk off wild pitch, that stadium exploded and T Mobile Park is not like always packed out. I think they were like 30 something thousand that night, which is like I think their highest capacity of the season. So I think maybe it's a mix of like the fan base and I don't know if it's the clubhouse is just kind of more. I don't want to say more of a team because I think the Tigers do a very good job of welcoming guys in, but it's like consistently they're like, all right, this guy's new, but you're going to know who he is. You're going to, you know, see him yeah. and it's his time to get an opportunity in the spotlight. And I think maybe the Tigers are only just now figuring that out, you know, by putting Akil Badu up there and like Zach Short. I think Zach Short's gotten a lot of support and a lot of good talk about him. Yeah. He's kind of like, you know, a sleeper agent. I was like, who's this guy? And now I'm like, oh, you know, like he seems reliable to me. And why do I think that? I think because I've heard people saying that. Because I think they're reinforcing the narrative of like, we can trust this guy. We're, he's one of us. He's in our system. You know, like he's here because he belongs here. And maybe in the past that wasn't as much the narrative as like, oh, he's not Miguel Cabrera. <laughs> you know? But no. I don't know. I think the older guys are doing a better job of, you know, pushing the younger guys forward. Yeah. I think I think what you said about um, I, I guess embracing the youth movement. I think that's probably the biggest difference, um, at least from what what I've seen, because the Mariners I think for the past couple of seasons would go out on these like huge like starts. I think bef- the, before the COVID year, they had the best record in baseball after twenty games. Like they they got to ten wins before anybody else did. I think they were sitting at 15 and 5 or something like that uh, shortly after. And then they ended up missing the playoffs. So, like, people were saying, like, oh, the, the Mariners are making something special here. And then they always seem to fall kind of short. Um, so, it, 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 I guess to me, when, when you talk about team, yes, they're embracing the young guys. But I think also they're playing with a chip on their shoulder a bit. So, they have these young guys that are ready to play very athletic but you probably have all these old veterans that are like man like everyone expects us to go out ahead and and then falter down the season it's like we're sick of that like let's do that i think i saw an interview um one of one of the divisional rivals i think cole irving from the a's was like bad mouthing the the mariners and Mm -hmm. then I i don't know i think it was seattle starting pitcher was like yeah we don't care about that we don't even know who that dude is and like they won the, the game. Catcher. They were like, the "Oh, the catcher? we don't remember playing him." <laughs> yeah. Right. So like, I think to have that chip, um, and especially for a team that was so close, and I guess was, you know, I don't want to say left at the altar, but kind of on the outside looking in <laughs> for a very extended period of time, they're now starting to say like, "Hey, we're going to be a competitive ball club. We have some really young talent coming up. We're going to instill our confidence into these guys." and then we're just going to play to the best of our abilities. They've had a good year from uh, say as well, um, and you need mm-hmm. quality starting pitching. Um, but to bring that back to the Tigers during that seven-game win streak, I think they asked Robbie Grossman after a game. Or no, it was Badu. Um, it was like, yeah, like you guys have won, you know, these. you've rattled off these games, and like, is there a a feeling in the clubhouse that you guys are playing with a chip on your shoulder. And he was like, absolutely. So I think, I, I think ha- honestly having a mentality and a bulldog mentality at that 
really does help with on-field performance, I think specifically in baseball, because it's such a long mental grind throughout the summer. Um, and I, it, you know, eventually you're going to have to make the decision. Are you just going to roll over when things get bad, or are you just going to say, I'm, we're going to rattle off seven straight? And we're gonna go to the ball. We're gonna go to the ballpark every day, feeling we we can beat anybody. Um, and I feel like after a while, building that mental toughness is gonna to pay off. And I think that was something that the Tigers lacked in the Garden Hire and Osmus eras. And I think that's something that the Mariners have really figured out, especially this year. I mean, who's that's that is a. I mean, I talk all the time about some of our terrible bullpen arms. But that's a like, Cole Irving's a major league pitcher, and for a a very competitive A's team, and the Mariners catcher's like, yeah, so he sucks. <laughs> like that's awesome. Well, like you you got to play with a little bit of that swagger. Um, so maybe maybe the Tigers will be next year the twenty twenty one Mariners. Yeah. I also know. would like to just interject. I think, and I am biased. I'll come forthright and say that I'm biased. I think both teams seem like they're a whole bunch of really nice guys. <laughs> so. <laughs> what, who are, who are the, who are the, okay, give me, give me the ultimate uh, Bubby and Babe from the Mariners. <laughs> oh, man. You know, I actually haven't gone through all, the whole breakdown, but um, there's a couple guys who are hurt who were early season babes, but now we're unfortunately on the IL, so um let's see dylan moore he's definitely a bubby because he boots a few balls you know a week but he's sure as quick um mitch hanniger is a babe oh you know you just expect him to be successful uh i think he expects himself to be successful which is the bay mentality um yeah i'll have to do a 40 man breakdown but very comparable mix i would i'll say there's there's a probably predominantly outfield babes as it were of course um but yeah i gotta get down to the the divisive infield is that going to be another uh delaney twitter thread (laughs) it should be i feel like i haven't been grandfathered into the mariners uh fan base quite yet but i might try you don't get grandfathered in in. you elbow your way in (laughs) yeah you just muscle your way through there or you could go like a like a Kraken fan and just show up like hey we're fans now because every person in the Kraken fan base has just appeared they just evolved into sprouted from the ground all of a sudden we're Kraken fans (laughs) well that's that's the weird thing because like you're a fan most people are fans of teams that have been around or like or from birth or something like that like I can't imagine anyone being only a Kraken fan at this stage (laughs) in the NHL I can't imagine them being like now hockey will be an interest of mine yeah it, it so I, I think that's the most interesting dynamic of all these expansion teams that have popped up because it's like oh i'm a knights fan but it's like they've only been around for four years you know so like how yeah. can you be like a life because it's like someone someone who says i'm a red wings fan it carries more weight i think than yeah. A Knights or you're fan. a fan of a you're a fan of original six team. It's it's really not hard for you to have a little <laughs> bit of a superiority complex when it comes to the rest of the teams. Like, am I a am I a fan of the greatest North American franchise? 
in the history of sport? Yes. Yes, I am. But <laughs> me saying I'm a Red Wings fan compared to a Knights fan is far different than me saying I'm a Red Wings fan compared to a uh, a Blues fan, right? Because it's like the Blues have some history. You know what you know what I'm saying? Because like there's some history, long stand. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm rambling now. I'm gonna shut up. But... My feeling is that maybe it's gonna be a mix of you know casual fans who've always lived in the area and you know have maybe followed hockey or maybe were into college or you know have kids that do travel or whatever and now they finally have a local team to cheer for and mm-hmm. I mean maybe people like me who are transplants who are like yeah I love Detroit but you know they play at 3 p.m here so (laughs) watch the dang kraken or hopefully and what it seems like is maybe going to be happening and you know hopefully well uh is people who've never really been that interested but now they have something else they can do on a weekend you know and so that'd be pretty cool i think that's what happened with vegas too who knows because there's i mean there's so many people in vegas and and they didn't have a professional team and now it's like oh i can root for somebody because they live here um and they also did their Mm -hmm. marketing a plus superb just mm-hmm. a master class in how to market an nhl team also helps that they went to the stanley cup final in their first year too correct that, that probably um, didn't which hurt. we thought might have happened hurt. for the kraken given who was up for grabs and yet oh and yet the day has come and it has passed and the kraken have their roster and we're looking at it and we're all thinking why everyone needs to buckle up because we could talk for an hour (laughs) we have so many things to get through with hockey Corey. we need to like really compress no let's okay yeah then you start because i'll I'll have to i'll have to i'll have to organize and compress thoughts you organize and compress for a second um so basically um last when was that two weeks ago i don't even know 10 days ago something like that uh the kraken did their expansion draft they televised it. Um, I guess the most relevant for this podcast is that Dennis Chalowski of the Detroit Red Wings got taken, um, which we were kind of expecting. We were there were kind of three that we were going with, and it was it was okay. Corey was expecting. I called it. I Corey called was it. expecting. Corey called it. Credit where credit is due. Thank you. One of the few takes that I've actually hit on, so I have to. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. Um, so we were kind of between Stetcher, Svechnikov, and Chalowski. Chalowski ended up being taken um, as a defenseman. Um, and that one was maybe the one that made the most sense to me. Like the pick. Like the pick. That, yeah. that, that singular pick was like, oh yeah, sure, take him. He could, he could develop into something if you have the right people and he has a decent ceiling. So like, go for it. The rest of it, however, <laughs> Delaney, you're making. Yeah, Del- do you Delaney, wanna, do you Delaney just, really needs to just just go for it. No, I am enjoying. These are the things that have been going on in my head, and I have notes, and they're just like, who the heck are these guys? Correct. What is going Correct. on? You know, like I was kind of hyped for a moment. I think you know, I texted you guys on the day. I was like, oh look at all the projected teams and then mm-hmm. oh, look exactly and what then. did not happen uh yeah and then so at first i was i was like troy stitcher that'd be kind of cool you know like detroit for what, a year season and a half or whatever um i was like you know maybe troy's just following me across country whatever 
Um, did not happen. I uh, was not terribly surprised that Chalski ended up here. But, yeah, I was pretty hyped to, like, you know, be like, oh, cool, I can have a local-ish team to cheer for when I can't go see the Wings in person. And instead, I was just like, what? 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 Like, I don't even know these guys, you know? And, I mean, maybe that's not saying much because, I don't know, my vernacular's pretty tight into Detroit. But, I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So let's. I'm just gonna go through and name the four. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking. That at, I recognize. I'm looking at the four roster too. So. Okay. Well, the ones I do recognize too. I was like, why? Uh huh. Yep. C- correct. Um. Okay. <laughs> so I know. Um. I know Morgan Geeky, of the Carolina Hurricanes. Mm-hmm. I know Yanni Gord. Um. I know Jared McCann. I know Chalowski. I know Vince Dunn. Vince Dunn was actually another one that I was like, okay, sure. But also, I don't know why they didn't take Tarasenko from the Blues. Doesn't, because he I, was right. He was literally right there. One of the best forwards in the league, and you didn't. And never mind. Anyways. And he doesn't want to be there either. And he, right, he doesn't, he does not want to be in the Blues. Um, and uh, Chris Drieger and Vanacek. So, what is that? Five names? Six names that I've named off that I know on this however many may on roster yes um uh, i i oh, alexiak I, I know alexiak too never mind continue sorry i i will say looking at this again they definitely built from the defensive side of yes. I, the defensive side of yes. the puck or the defensive side I, so i i actually really liked the Dreiger um pick that's their starter from Florida. He played really well in the playoffs, um, and I, they tried to make him like almost the face. I don't know. I mean, because he was at the he was at the draft party, uh, Delaney, um, and he was the first player that everyone knew that was going to get taken. Um, so, but I think I think I like that pick. But I'm looking at the defenders right now. Adam Larson. He was the guy traded one for one for Taylor Hall. Um, he's, he's a, I mean, he's not Taylor Hall, but he's a very solid NHL defenseman. Uh, Alexiak is also a very solid NHL defenseman. Mark Giordano, um, from Calgary. They did that man dirty the flames. Cause <laughs> I, I, that's, that's a different story for a different time, but, um, essentially has the, tra- the career trajectory of, of Nick Lidstrom only got better with age and was just a elite Defender into his thirties. Um, so that's a, there's your veteran leadership and presence and star power, I guess, from that pick. Hayden Flurry, um, highly sought a defensive prospect. Chalowski, former first round pick, kind of needs to change the scenery. Um, Jeremy Lauzon from the Bruins has been a, is a solid and cheap defensive option. Um, Carson. Su- uh, <laughs> Susie, I think is his name. Um, but That's all, how I've heard it. I thought I thought he was going to get taken from Minnesota. He's also a very young defender. The point I'm trying to make, I think the Kraken has a very good blue line. Um, not just not just like eh, this is okay. Uh, that being said, th- the forwards are horrendous. Uh, your your top winger is Jordan Everly. 
who's probably your worst contract on here, um, and that's really disappointing. Uh, I think he was on the third line for the Islanders at some point this past year because um, he w- just did not play good. Yanni Gord was the all was the slam dunk pick. I think everybody agreed that he was going to get taken from Tampa, and I was like, oh, this will be good for them. Yanni Gord's a pretty affordable player. He's very good. He'll slide into their their two their their C two role pretty well. No, he's going to be their C one, and he's not even going to be ready at the beginning of the year because he's hurt. He had a surgery, um, like all NHL playoff people have. Um, so your best center, who should have been your number two center if you drafted right, is not even going to be on your roster opening night. So that's probably not ideal. Your other winger is Brandon Tanev. Um, your top line is Brandon Tanev, a hurt Yanni Gord, and a Jordan Eberle. Uh, uh, Jared McCann is, or Jared McCann's probably going to play wing. They had Callie Yarncrock, who former Red Wing, by the way, um, came over to Nashville in the David Leguan deal uh, forever ago. They had him slotted as the number two center. Callie Yarncrock is a bottom six player he should not be taking center two reps that essentially that would be like if luke glendenning as much as we love luke glendenning is was the kraken's number two center like he can do it but it's only like only if he needs to like luke glendenning is a perfect bottom six forward no one thinks he's a shutdown center in the league. and now a player like him who's got really good speed is going to be your center number two why why I thought I thought they were going to take uh, Matt Duchesne from Nashville he was unprotected and he had he had a nine million dollar contract but easily he'd be your number one center and then you have Yanni Gord at number two that's a pretty good top six whoever you could throw on the wing I think uh, but they didn't do that, and they avoided bad contracts like the plague. I think, uh, yeah, Jordan Everly is the highest-paid player um, at five and a half, I think, for the next three seasons. Until, uh, tw- yeah, 23-20. I'm on cap friendly right now until 23-24. Okay. Uh, uh, Jonas Donskoy um, is your winger number two. He's a bottom six for uh, San Jose. Or- no, it was the Avalanche. Yeah, he was definitely a bottom six for the Avalanche. That roster was just stacked. And then I was really surprised. I like Morton Geeky. I think he's a solid young player, but Nino Niederreier was there, and he's definitely a top He's definitely top six forward. Yeah. This roster could have looked so much better, especially on the offensive side, but what were they thinking? I don't know. I mean, the only – the only thing that my brain is going to is that they still have $30 million in cap, and they only have four unsigned players at the moment uh, for the 2021-22 season. And so my brain goes to, are they planning on signing a bunch of free agents? Like, is that where they're planning on getting their forward core? But at the same time, I'm like, why wouldn't you just get them... And not yeah, guaranteed, you know, yeah. like you you would have guaranteed players if you did it that way. And maybe they didn't like contracts. Like maybe they wanted to negotiate their own contracts. I get that. I understand that. But at the same time, it 
doesn't seem wise. I I don't think so. It doesn't look great. Uh, it doesn't look great. It's yeah. And they traded uh, one of their picks already. My, my Tyler. thought. Oh, sorry. No, uh, they traded Tyler Pitlick. Pitlick. Yeah. Pitlick. <laughs> we really wanted that jersey. <laughs> oh. Everyone was Fair. like, yeah. <laughs> no. That's hel- I um, didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's it, hilarious. He... <laughs> well, that's why I was like, Morgan Geeky, fun last name. He's funny on the internet, but pff, hope he's good. I don't know. Um, it seemed like they were being pretty stingy with a lot of their contracts. So my brain's yes. thinking, yeah, same as you, Noel. Maybe they're just going to be signing a bunch of free agents sometime soon. Maybe there is like a plan that we can't see, but... That, I, I don't know. The excitement level is gone more to like a mellow excitement where it's more just like hockey. It's not going to be like dominant hockey. Uh, you got um, that right. Uh, Cap Friendly doesn't yeah. even have more yeah, on roster. He's non roster currently, just as a fun little tidbit for you. Well, he's a, res- he's a restricted free agent, so but he's not even. Next year. Next year? Oh, I don't know. I mean, again, I like that pick, um, but still, he, you don't even have him signed. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. It, it's definitely evident they're trying to get affordable contracts and avoid bad ones, but still, I, I think I think they drafted a bunch of lottery tickets. Like, there's... They could have I mean, afforded more. Yeah. And essentially, that's what Vegas did, too. But, like, you had... you They were making picks that made sense. Like, James Neal at the time from Nashville like that that was a blow to Nashville because he was a solid winger and he had a very great year for Vegas when he was there um I, who who's going to be that guy that's going to score goals for that team Everly <laughs> I don't think I don't think Jordan Everly has cracked 20 goals in like two seasons let me see maybe I'm being uh uh just very pessimistic. I'm sorry I'm dunking on your team right now, uh, Delaney. It's one of my teams, man. It's one of my teams. Okay, so... I, why would I be here if the Kraken were my main hockey team? So, yeah, uh, Jordan Eberle hasn't scored 20 goals uh, since 2017-2018. Good. Where he scored Good. 25. <laughs> and last year, last year he had a solid year. He he had 16 goals, 17 assists uh, in 33 games. But so that's not exactly a well. I guess it's a little bit over a point or half a point a game. But still, that's your number one wing. Don't know, don't know about that one, Chief. <laughs> but well, we can move on to things that we do know for we sure. Can. We so can. So a series of things happened in the last week since last Monday. Uh. We the expansion draft happened. We signed Alex Nadalkovich. That was crazy. Which was wild. Um, so we traded him. Uh, we traded we traded Jonathan Bernier and the ninety fourth pick in the draft that just happened to the Carolina Hurricanes for Alex Nadalkovich. You had it right the first time. I know. I know. I have it written down too. Uh, who is a 25-year-old goalie 
he's on a two-year contract at three mil AAV, so pretty good cap it. Uh, by all accounts, that's a pretty good hit for a decent goalie. Um, I know that Carolina was not happy about it. They were also really down on Jonathan Bernier, which I was not here for. Nope. Um, because I just need everybody to remember my favorite Jonathan Bernier memory is probably not his favorite memory as a Red Wing, but my favorite memory for him as a Red Wing is him playing with the flu after uh, Jimmy Howard and the emergency backup goalie both got hurt within the first 20 minutes of the first period or the first half of the game. And then he played 50 minutes with the flu because he's a stud. And his, I think his save percentage was 94 2 something like that um 40 shots on goal and he saved 35 of them wow i do remember that game that i remember watching that and just like glued to my screen because i was making sure he wasn't throwing up on the ice yeah he looked so bad but that is the epitome of who jonathan bernier is is he is just your stopgap in no ma- like no matter the condition he's in. Uh, and I really appreciate him. You know, for the last three years, he's been the only reason the Red Wings have not been piles of ash. They've just been the dumpster fire that continues going. You know? <sighs> I, I don't want to call Jonathan Bernier underrated. I would definitely say he's incredibly he under... Is. I would say he's underappreciated. Okay. Um... Because before he even came to Detroit, he was with Colorado for a couple of years, and he was putting up, like, Vesna-caliber numbers, albeit the roster was a bit better than, than Detroit. I think he was putting up Vesna numbers last year. I, I think there I'm was an argument If I'm going to be real honest well. with you. With Detroit 2019-2020 in front of him, so. Oh. Horrible. <laughs> it's a horror movie <laughs> waiting to happen. Um, Anyways, so, go ahead. No, I hope he... I hope Honestly, I hope he signs with Carolina. They got a good thing going, um, and I think he'd be he would be the consistency that Mrazek what isn't. And I think a tandem of him and Mrazek would be pretty would be pretty solid, because um, then you can just kind of ride the hot hand um, whenever whenever Mrazek goes through those stretches where he's just like the greatest goaltender that ever lived, and then he no longer knows how to stop a puck. Uh, yeah. Then you can go back to Bernier and and do that. So. Did we lose? We lost Delaney. Dang. Um, I'm back. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that's just. I think that's just uh, a piece that Carolina fans missed out on. So I hope he signs there. I hope he has a good time. Um, but yeah, I like that too. Um, yeah. So. And then after that, we had the big event, the marquee event. Uh, the 2021 NHL draft in which we went in with 12 picks and we came out with eight roster selection or eight picks, eight people, eight kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and before we dive into this, can I just say that every time we go into a new draft, I look at the birth year of all of these kids and I'm like, what? how are you alive? How are you like in the running for millions of dollars? Anyways, uh, I think the oldest person I saw w- for this draft was born in 2002, so that hurt me a little oh, bit. Lord. Oh, yeah. Lord. <laughs> um, so we came out 
with eight draft picks. Do you want me to just run through these real quick? I have a bunch of... Yeah. How do you want to go about this? Noel, I will give you the the credit where it's due. You were on top of the the NHL draft. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of these guys I'd never even heard of before. Um, And you're like, oh, yeah, this guy was... This guy was scouted in in Stockholm, and people really liked him. And I'm like, where did you get this information? This kid is four years old. (laughs) Um, Okay, so uh, first pick, we had six overall. We got Simon Edvinson from Ferlunda. Um, And at this point, I think they should just rename it the Ferlunda Red Red Wings um, because Mm -hmm. it seems that we pick all of our players from there. Um, Correct. He's a uh, 6'4", left-handed defenseman. Um, and I think that the biggest takeaway from this pick is that we're actually really from the whole draft, I think is just going through it and reading articles and listening to people talk about it is that Iserman is shooting for the stars Mm -hmm. while recognizing that the ceiling is really low or the floor is really low. So really high ceiling, really low floor. Like there's a wide range that these kids can fall into and i think simon edvinson's one of them like he has the potential to be your number one defenseman and he also has the potential to be your bottom defenseman like he if he is developed correctly and developed in the right way he's gonna be amazing he's gonna be competing for norris trophies um and that's kind of how the rest of the picks went was a shoot for the stars kind of mentality um, and I think the one thing we have to look out with, with Edvinson is that, uh, Eklund was also there, who was one of the higher ranked centers in the game. Um, and we need centers, but I've mm-hmm. also seen stuff. I think, okay. So the other thing that I'm all over the place, I apologize. The other thing with this draft is because 2020 was such uh, a disaster of a year, it also meant that a lot of these guys didn't play for the amount of games and the amount of time that they normally would have played on, which means sure. less tape, which means less development, which means the scouts know less about them. And so that means that they have less confidence in how, who to pick when. Um, and so uh, Eklund was also on the board at the time. He went seventh to the San Jose Sharks right after us. Um a lot of scouts see him as a more of a winger than as a center, um, mm-hmm. but he was he was touted as one of the better centers in the top ten. Uh, but we chose Edmondson, and then we for our number our second pick at pick fifteen we got Sebastian Kosa, who was the pick that I was surprised about. Um, there was a lot of debate about whether we would go for a goalie because our goalie pipeline begins and ends with. Uh, Nadalkovich. Uh, yeah, that that's basically it. Um, I I would debate that a bit, but I I get what you're saying. Who else would you throw in there? I I, I feel like a lot of people, not just not you, like not taking a shot at you. Yeah. I'm saying no, like no. I feel like a lot of people think that the Red Wings goaltending situation is a lot worse than it is. Like this Keith Petrazuli guy that they drafted, like it seems like four years ago, and he's like hasn't aged. Like he's like 20 years old. He also may not be signing with the Red Wings. There was a whole fiasco with that a couple months ago that I won't get into that we can talk about another time. But that was another piece of news and rumor that I saw that I was like, oh, so we're going to need a goalie that's here for actual, for for a time. 
for so a that bit. would explain why Eisenman yeah. made the move then. I also think yeah. that he really likes this kid too, because yeah. all these comparisons are like Vasilevsky, and it's like, hmm, where have we seen this before? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I was surprised by Kosa being picked because uh, Wallstedt was also at was also available at pick, at pick fifteen, who was the other, actually the goalie that I had heard more about. Like when we, um. So we originally had pick 23 in the first round, and we traded to Dallas for pick 15. We traded pick 23, 48, and 138. So we traded three picks for pick 15. So when that happened, I was like, oh, Iserman really wants this guy. Like, I don't know who it is. We're thinking it's a goalie because he's still on the board. Um, and I was like, oh, he's going to pick Wallstead. Like, he's going to because that's the guy that everybody's been talking about. He was the higher-ranked goalie at the time. Like, this is the guy that's going to be picked. And then he picked Kosa, and we're like, there's never a guarantee with Iserman, and it really just stresses me out. Um, but some of the things that were being said about Kosa in the articles that I was reading is that he's super athletic for his size. He's 6'6", 212. Um, his save percentage was 94-1. Um, Not bad. And in this last season, he had 17-1-1 record, um, which is pretty good. I don't know if you're I'll, a fan of, of that save percentage, but I am. Um, I'll take one loss. I don't care. <laughs> um, he doesn't quit on the puck. And one thing that Draper said was they were talking about Dominic Hasek, um and the way that he played his athleticism, his dedication to the game, and his determination. And uh, Draper just goes, and Kosa just lit up. He like he wanted more, like that was what he wanted, and I think I probably think that that's kind of what clinched him over Wallstead, because we know that character is so important mm-hmm. for the Red Wings. Like character and and motor and drive will always win the day out in the Eiserman playbook, than talent will. Um, so yeah, moving quickly through, uh, we then made another trade to move up from pick thirty eight to pick thirty six. So we traded 38 and 128 to the Vegas Golden Knights for pick 36. Um, and again, this one, I think this is the one that I was kind of like, why? Why? Just just wait for him. It's two, it's two slots. Um, and I think I texted that in the group chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they got Shy, and I apologize for this last name, dude. Um, Buim or Buyim or something like yeah. that. It's B-U-I-U-M. Yeah. Um, who is another really large defenseman. So really what Iserman is building is just a, a wall for the blue line. Like he's just going to have a giant wall of six foot three plus human beings in the back. Um, he needs a little bit of work. He's good defensive stick. He's got a good defensive stick and his hockey sense is pretty good. Uh, but he is a bad skater, which is not something you want with a defenseman who is often skating backwards. Uh, no, that's probably not ideal. So that I mean, and that's that's fixable, I guess. So you know, whatever. Um, then at pick seventy, we kept our pick. Carter Mazur, who was a local kid. Chris Draper was his coach. Um, the biggest red flag for me uh, is that his favorite player growing up was Darren Helm. So take that for what you will. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> that's oh no, not good, kids. Um, fan favorite of the ladies then, though in Detroit, I think me and my yeah. buddy, we had a, me and my buddy, we had a contest. Every time we, we'd go to Red Wings together, 
Red Wings games together, and I would be like, all right, how many helm jerseys are we going to see today? And every time oh. it was... Oh, no, Darren Helm was, was 100%. Yeah. Every time. It was a lady. Every single time. Yep. He's a good-looking dude. I'm not going to deny that. Um, and then we kept pick 114, who is Redmond Savage, which... Best name? name? Perfect. Best name. The best name in, in the NHL right now. Um... He, so when I was reading his stuff, the the biggest thing that stuck out to me was um, that his teammates love him, and then this quote from his coach. If you need a face-off, you need a PK, you need a block shot, or you need a goal, Red Savage is the guy. I read that, and I was like, okay, so he's Luke Glendenning with Dylan Larkin's motor. Which... Hmm. I don't know. His skill is probably far and above Luke Glendening, um, given where he was taken. But that's the combination I'm kind of putting together in my head. Uh, he's a leader on the ice, and he has like a great personality, which, again, is just a really big thing for the Red Wings. Um, and then comes the sweetest story of the night, one that we all loved. Uh, pick 134, Liam Power Nielsen who is best friends with Simon Edvinson. Uh, they were very excited. They were watching the draft together. They were very, very excited when uh, Neil- Power Nielsen got drafted. Um, the entire time, Simon Edvinson was like, oh, come on, just pick him, just pick him. Uh, so he's a really intelligent um, hockey player. He creates a lot of chances in front of the net. Probably more a bottom six guy than mm-hmm. uh, anybody in the top, but him and Edvinson automatically uh, are probably put in Bubby status just because of just because of that little moment. Um, and you, then pick 155. The <laughs> yes. Uh, pick 155, Oscar Plandowski, who is a six foot, 190 pound right-handed defenseman. So he's a skinny boy. Um, Solid skater, lacks offense, uh, but can make plays when called upon. So, again, like, these bottom three guys probably aren't going to make it um, to anything really big consistently, but they got drafted, and they're there, and it's fine, and we'll see what happens. Um, And then, finally, at pick 166, this guy I'd never heard of, um, Pasquale Zito. Uh, He hasn't played since March of 2020, um, and that's probably why he was taken so low. Uh, so he is probably the biggest question mark in the bunch just because he hasn't played for over a year. Um, and the thing that I think clinched him was that he went into interviews, um, and was told like, Hey, we haven't seen tape on you. So it's going to be really hard for us to like, be sure that you're a solid pick. And the thing he came back with was just an over-enthusiastic, I will do whatever it takes to get drafted. Um, mm-hmm. I will work on whatever you need me to work on. Uh, the uh, the Tchuk brothers are my favorite players. I admire them, and I want to be, like, emulate them in my game. Um, and I think that's what, for Draper, when he was looking at him in the stuff that I was say- seeing that he was saying about him, was where the switch kind of happened for, you know, it's our second, it's our seventh round pick. Let's take him. We might as well. Yeah. Um, 
Not that you ever want to kind of just throw picks away in the seventh, especially this year, because who knew, who knows who fell to that just based on the lack of information we have on all of them. Um, but yeah, I think he's probably the most wild card in terms of undiscovered talent for this guy, for this, for this draft. And those are our eight new ones, new kids. Well, the, the Red Wings have had some success with late round picks, uh, so maybe maybe it might be okay that there's not a whole lot of film on uh, on uh, Mr. What was his name? Uh, Zito. Pasquale, Pasquale yeah, Zito. Pasquale, uh, Pasquale, Zito Zetterberg. We have too many Z's already. <laughs> That's okay. We'll, we'll just we'll corner the we will corner the market on Z's. Um, okay. I do not mind. Um, yeah. But no, I, I I think the one thing that I did see from the draft that's that stuck out, uh, Hawken Anderson. I think it was for this Liam Power guy. He was like adamant, not yes. not yeah. because and of the friendship. I actually piece. didn't actually get to say that, but yes, he was pushing for him. I have that underlined. And I I will I will let that guy be in control of Red Wing scouting forever. Um, yeah. In my eyes, that he can especially he Swedish can do. scouting, like that's oh, he's so good. Yeah, we were we were okay with Swedish players, I guess. Um, but yeah, so I I mean I don't know, like some of those guys I never heard of. I do I actually think I like the Kosa pick the most because I, I feel like if mm. Eisman had this much confidence to go up and trade three draft picks for him, um, that uh, I. I'm going to trust him because at least for some things he's earned my trust. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I, I think that that's a, that's a good pick on that part. Well, who, what's your favorite yeah. pick then? Did you, I think you said, um, it? I, I think I just, oh, my favorite pick is probably Edvinson. Um, it comes with a little bit of a caveat because we'll see what happens in, you know, five or six years when they're, when him and Eklund are both on the ice um, sure. But just for a pure, like, makes me smile sort of thing, Redmond Savage is my favorite. Um, yeah, I'm just a Buy big that fan. jersey right now. <laughs> and he shares yeah. Mickey's, uh, Mickey, like, they share a name. Yeah. Mickey Redmond. Redmond Savage. I feel like he's going to grasp onto that really tightly and just hold on to it until forever. So in the order... Uh which I will put for all, all three of us for the Cape Cunningham jerseys. I will also put in uh, Redmond Savage jerseys as well. Perfect. That'll be, that'll be uh, in, in that. So you, you'll get a Venmo request from me pretty soon, so be prepared. Um, I, know, I know we've gone pretty long, but we do also have to talk about the Bertuzzi situation. Situation. And do you want to talk about Evgeny? What? Oh, Gino? also, did we already Fetch? bring up Mark Stahl? We have not uh, no, about Mark Stahl. we have Mark so Stahl, much news. So Gustav many Lindstrom signed today. Uh, yep. Signed for two years. Man, you were excited about Mark Stahl. <laughs> I'm excited that my like, son's feel... back. <laughs> oh, the, well, there we go. Yeah, that darn Washington State Wi-Fi grr. Can't trust anyone out here. I'm excited because no, I think that. It was a good move in a weird way. I don't know. Well, I think because they you can't, okay you can't, okay. 
Um, you can't I, just say good in a weird way and then give no weird way explanation. <laughs> well, at first I was like, we got another weird haircut back. Um, but then I was like, you know what? Fair. This might be a good idea for just uh, like bench presence in general because of the number of new guys you have around. I mean, Mark Stahl was a Red Wing for such a short time, but he's been there longer than a good number of these guys that are coming in, having never played together, some of them having never even faced other people who are now their teammates. And at least Mark Stahl was there long enough to learn the ropes to kind of get on a first-name basis with the guys and with the staff and to at least have some semblance of an idea of how lines play. So I think that might be a good thing just to bring him back. And it's a one-year contract, so if it doesn't work, he can go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. That's all I had to say I, I, if, about that. Yeah, I mean, it probably helps that he's a 15-year veteran right. as well. And I feel, yeah. I feel like the longer you play in the league, like, the easier it is for you to play with new people. Because, mm-hmm. like, some of the young guys, like, they need to, like, have, like, the right pairing to, like, play well. Um, but, like, a guy like like a stall, you could throw him in there and he could be a very productive player with whoever he's paired with. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not well, saying he's Maybe not like, very. Or he might not be, but it's a nice thought. Or, <laughs> he'll just well, be I'm, a player. <laughs> he'll be there. Every, everyone thought he was a pylon in New York, and then he comes here and it's like, yeah, he's not that bad. <laughs> okay, but that's a far cry from a very productive player. <laughs> okay. All right. I Well, I said pretty productive. And when I mean productive, I don't mean like, oh, this guy is great. Okay. Like, Net I don't gain. know. I feel like I'd argue. Yeah. I feel like I'd argue Helm. Uh, never mind. I'm not going to go there. <laughs> don't make that argument. Yeah, I'm not making don't, that argument. Don't bother. Um, yeah, uh, Lindstrom yeah. signed today. Lindstrom um, I don't signed. know for how much. Uh, two years for, I think it was just the 80... 850k wow, was what really? I saw. So he was really low. Yeah. I mean, good for us. Good for us. Because if he if he pops off, then yep, even better. Um, and then the other bit of other bit of uh, sad news: uh, Evgeny Svechnikov was told to that today uh, he would not get a deal, um, and so today is the uh, free agent deadline so like if you aren't signed by tonight you're a unrestricted free agent um and he was not and per his manager he will be shopping other options though detroit is open to a two-way deal if he doesn't find anything and my hope is really just i want the canes to take him i want him to go play with his brother i want them to be another sibling duo just do it they just lost a young winger too so could always there use a new one. I know. And he's cheap, we'll take him. so like go for it. In Seattle. Do it. <laughs> he, he might he might be your first line winger at this rate. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Why not? I mean I think, step up. I think that's the one move that I don't really understand Eisenman doing because I, I don't know, like maybe it's we just our collective hockey knowledge isn't where it should be, but like I, I when he played this year I thought he was he was. There's that word again, productive. But like, <laughs> I thought he made a difference, and he only played like ten games. And we all thought it's like, oh, we don't want film on him, so we can lose him. But he was like sent down and like cut like a few times, and still nobody claimed him. So I don't, I don't think anyone really knows what's going on with this player. 
And yeah. <laughs> don't don't be surprised if he comes back too. Yeah. Um, because many teams had an opportunity to take him for his contract and then also have a disqualifying offer period, and they didn't when he was cut. So uh, I don't know what kind of market that would be for that type of player, but it doesn't make any sense yeah. to us, it seems. I think it's just one of those things where I want good things for him, and I don't think good things for him are in Detroit anymore. I think that he hasn't been given the opportunities that he's warranted, maybe. Um, yeah. Or just given opportunities to even try to earn a spot. And I think mm-hmm. the only shot that he's been given was in this last half of this season, which just really sucks. So, yeah. I don't know. I want him to be happy. And I don't think that's here anymore, which is sad for me. Tough. Teardrops on my guitar. One single yes. tear. Or his guitar. <laughs> Teardrops on Yeti Svechnikov's guitar. <laughs> I, bet, I, bet he'd be, I feel like he'd be a guy that would play guitar. Just for kicks. Guitar? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It's like I think his his debut in the NHL. Uh, I, re- I remember like he scored a shootout goal and then he comes to like the podium, and to everybody he's like, "Hello, friends," like <laughs> like he had been there in the league for like ten years. Like, like he knew. Oh everybody. yeah, so, he's like, also he... the thing is is he's got a personality which I love. Uh, like Andre is definitely the hot shot, but Gino is the guy that's going to make you laugh, which I'm a big fan of. And we don't like, we don't like personality here. And we only like winning um, in Detroit. Our which, site. <laughs> which we haven't done much which of. Which is hysterical, because I just talked about how much personality yeah. matters for drafting. But it's not <laughs> the wrong kind of personality. Correct. So who knows? Who knows what's happening behind closed doors? I, I just, you never know, I guess. Really quickly, Steve Eiserman. So, are we signing Bertuzzi or are we trading him? What's going on? I think we're signing him. Because I I saw he was in Montana, like just chilling. He was in Montana on his like on his Instagram, and then now and like in Detroit, they're like, yeah, they're we're figuring out contract negotiation. There's like I I think I saw a tweet that it was like there's like like negotiations have stalled. It's like, oh, I wonder why. The man is in a cabin in Montana, you know? <laughs> so. I don't know. I feel like he's been touted as part of this young core for a while. So I think he's going to sign for a decent amount. I, I saw a tweet earlier that it was like, I think the reason it's taken so long is that maybe Iserman wants a longer length deal like Mantha's was before he was traded. And Bertuzzi might want a shorter one. Um. So, we'll see. I don't know. Not an expert in this part. Not an expert in any of this part. I'm just mm-hmm. uh, spitting crap, basically. So, yeah. Spitting bars. I don't do that. Delaney's going to drop some bars for us. I don't know. <laughs> yeah? I think she can. I don't know. She's got a good, she's got probably the best mic out of any of us. So That's true. She does have a very professional mic. But maybe the worst Wi-Fi. <laughs> that is also true. She's dropped twice. Uh, but Sorry. that's okay. <laughs> we like having her. 
<laughs> no, it's no. We're just we're having fun. That's it. We were we were admiring your mic and and ah yes, <laughs> making dunking on dunking on your on your Wi-Fi. I think um, I know what it is. But man, we the had wildfire smoke just rolled in, and it's like ooh a cloud. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's a thing that you but deal with up in the. It's in fine. The I'm just on Northwest. fire. <laughs> oh. Okay. Cool. Good luck with that. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Well, we definitely have gone for a long time. We have second week in a row. Not not as long as last week, but any closing remarks from anybody? I think I'm all set. Nothing. Feel out. Delaney, closing remarks. Any any final word? How okay? How many how many wins are the Kraken gonna have? Cracking, not cracking. Sorry, Chris. I truly have no idea. I, I'm gonna just say, let's just have a good time. I'm pretty sure that's literally all Seattle wants. The people of Seattle, I don't think they care. I really don't. I think the league cares because they want to see good hockey. But I think the people, like Macklemore, was there announcing draft picks, and Octopus announced that Dennis Dennis Chalowski was going to move. That was a great moment. I was very proud of that moment. So I guess I don't know. I, without bated breath, I wait to see what the Kraken has. But I think if they're not good, people are still gonna love them. Very so good. ten wins. <laughs> ten, ten wins. Love to see it. I I will say that I think the white jersey is my favorite jersey. I was um, gonna ask about the it jerseys. Just looks, it, it's sharp. I like them. And then, yeah. And a, and a Dennis Chalowski away jersey <laughs> may be in my future. Not sure. Yeah. Or Chris Dreiger. I like Chris Dreiger. So. I guess I do want to say just closing remarks. I guess between Tigers and Wings and Mariners and Krakens, whatever. Um, just sports are fun. I guess a year of COVID and especially like moving away and just with everything. I feel like. Everything right now that's going on in sports is well timed. So glad that we have them. Mm-hmm. We can have fun with them. That said, I really want I winning agree. teams as <laughs> the fan base I'm a part of. Listen, I, I feel that on a spiritual level because <laughs> I was I was about as happy as can be when baseball came back in that sixty game schedule. Um, but that quickly wore off after the Tigers just face planted after like week four. So, I, under, I understand what you're saying. <laughs> Alrighty, folks. Thanks so much for listening for this hour and a half. Um, we are so grateful that you're here. All, like, seven of you. I don't know. I don't know how many listeners we have anymore, but it's fun. You're well, a we lot got, of... We've got some listeners. Come on. I know. I'm just making a joke. Um, if you could take a moment and uh, follow us on our socials, we're at the CNC Sports Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Um, you can find us wherever you find your podcasts. Rate us five stars. Leave us a review. That really helps us um, get out to other other listeners who don't know us personally. Um, but we will see you next week. See you later. Deuces. Hey everybody, this is Noelle. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CNC Replay. Please subscribe and rate us five stars as it really helps us out. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at CNC Sports Pod. We'll see you next week.